0: Welcome to the Insights Podcast from RAIN, the Risk Assistant Network and Exchange. I'm Emily Donahue. By now, you, like hundreds of millions of other people around the world, have probably gotten into new routines, the result of life in lockdown. Just as we all became familiar with new security screening measures at airports after 9-11, disruption to routines quite often ends in new routines. And now, those too may change because Despite warnings from health officials, many places are lifting lockdown orders and allowing businesses to reopen. Just how will that happen? Joining me is Bill Edwards, who is the Associate Principal of Protective Design and Security Services at Thornton Tom Bill, thank you so much for being here.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. I'm delighted to talk with you today.
0: For some people, like first responders and healthcare providers and delivery services, work never actually stopped, but people are going back to work now. And as the third quarter approaches, a large portion of the workforce may actually be back sooner rather than later. I'm wondering what that might actually mean.
1: Yeah, I think um, that's a it's a great question. And everyone that I've been collaborating with over the last month or so is, especially in the AEC community is, is talking about um, this exact topic and and I think when you really look at it it's going to take a lot of creativity and imagination um, to get to get us and get our workforce back in place um, considering what we're going through and what we've gone through um, you know making uh, the work environment feel safe for, um, for people is going to be, you know, job number one. It's going to be the first thing that, that needs to happen.
0: So like the mental work f- space is just as important as the physical.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, uh, businesses, um, facility managers, facility owners, you know, there's going to be this dual uh, purpose that's got to take place. One is, you know, people are, are are going to want to have some comfortable feelings about entering a facility. Is it clean? You know, are we taking the necessary precautions, uh, with, uh, HVAC and airflow? And then, of course, um, you know, just, just get, you know, getting people to feel comfortable in that manner is going to be super important. So, and you're going to see a lot of, a lot of different creative and imaginative ways to do that. You know, there's a lot of talk right now about, uh, temperature, uh, detection and, uh, virtual queuing. And contact tracing, and then of course, um, just the the physical aspect of uh, social distancing and how office layouts will will take shape. I think what you might see after after uh, we do start going back to work is maybe a different environment of a of a work from home work at the office mixture than we were used to. Now that we're doing a hundred percent work from home, we may see that split 50-50 yeah. where Businesses use their office space for more collaborative events, or or just to get people together to um, to engage, you know, socially and and discuss uh, the problems of the of the of the projects they're working on or their business in general.
0: So, speaking to you as a parent with two young kids, um, social distancing would be important to me when I went back to work. Um, right now, our Our plan at at Rain is to go back uh, end of Q2, possibly into Q3. And I'm wondering um, for people like me, or for generally health aware uh, corporations, how would social distancing work in the workplace?
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's a great question. I mean, configuring office space um, where distance is taken into account obviously is going to change the dynamics of square footage in, in offices that are currently occupied. Um, you know, but there are other, there are other ways too, you can look at, and I mentioned it earlier, but you can look at HVAC and how, how is uh, air cleansed in, in the building? Are, are the owners using upgraded filtration systems and possibly UV light on, on HVAC coils, you know, to, to give people that, that uh, comfortable sense of uh, being in the office.
0: Yeah, I heard you say that, and and I wanted to jump in here because I thought that was really interesting. It had never occurred to me personally, but, I mean, seriously, if you rent your office workspace, how can you be sure that your landlord or the company from whom you rent, I mean, even major corporations rent the space from which they do business. I mean, how can you be sure that that's actually happening? Because now I'm all worried about HVAC.
1: Well, I think I think companies need to um to to change you know the way they look at at that type of system i mean it's just one step right it's just another step in taking precautions to to keep the workforce healthy um i think we'll probably see you know continued um use of of masks as a as a precaution um you know and of course then spacing distance and spacing but this this concept of of looking at our our hvac systems is really important it's not you know, it's not my idea. I mean, I've been on multiple collaborative calls over the last month talking about ways to get the workforce back to work, and and this is another suggestion that can happen. I mean, we have the technology, we have the filtration systems, we have the ability to employ UV lighting. Um, so it's all available. It's just uh, you know going to be a matter of cost and what what business owners and and um, and facility managers are willing willing to do.
0: So that's a really good question because, you know, most organizations since this pandemic occurred have made very big statements about how the health and safety of their own employee workforce is paramount. But when it comes to affordability, you know, that's quite a different potentially different topic. I mean, I remember working in, in uh, New York in the 1980s, in which uh, um, asbestos, uh, (laughs) you know, remediation was going on. And I was worried why, why we weren't all given masks in the workplace. I mean, uh, is affordability an issue? And and could it affect workplace safety?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think t- tough decisions are going to need to be made, um, and and I think getting people back to work, vice um, the cost of doing that, it's going to be a calculus that needs to take take place, right? So, uh, I think you're gonna, I think we're all going to see that there's going to be this great effort um, to get to get people back, um, to get people comfortable with working back in the public. Um, So I think it's going to be a a team effort. I think we're going to see a lot of uh, all of this coming together, um, you know. And and like I said, there's these different different ways to approach it. You know, policies and procedures within structures are going to and facilities are going to are going to take shape. Um, There's some there's some talk, and I'm sure you've heard, but you know, fever detection before you enter or fever detection tied to access control. Um, And I'm sure there's going to be some Uh, legal challenges to that type of technology, but it is being discussed as an option where your, your ability to enter a facility is going to be tied to the temperature of your body. Right. So, and I'm, and I'm seeing this uh, and, and frankly, if you're, you know, like, like a person like me that pays attention to technologies and of course, trying to stay ahead of, ahead of what the next future um, technology is, you know, this, Fever detection is not new. I mean, it's used use thermal technology. There's FLIR capability um, in some of these um, um, devices. But in general, uh, what what businesses are looking for is an ability to, again, I think, make people feel comfortable that okay, hey, uh, Bill Edwards has passed his fever screening today. He's allowed in, which means you know he's he's healthy, and um, you know we can all gather together and work. So I think it's it's something to that too it goes back to your point earlier of of not only physical but psychologically how do we how do we get back to work right.
0: well you know that's that's a really interesting a, cup, a couple of really interesting points you've made because um one i think as a person who enters the workforce i'm not sure i would want to be the person at the door holding the temperature gauge <laughs> And, um, two, you know, um, how do I know I live in Texas? It's hot here all the time. I assume it certainly feels that way that it would raise our temperature (laughs) when we walk into the office. But I mean, how can businesses keep track of who's coming back from where and whether they're, whether they're considered safe and, Secondarily, and I, I'm sorry for throwing a double barrel question at you, but what are the legal ramifications of those?
1: Yeah, so let me let me start with the first point. Um, you know, so technologies today they that are being employed they have standoff distance between six and twelve feet. So you know, your your fever, fever detection can take place at a at a social distance, an acceptable social distance. So if you're working in that capacity. Um, you know, you're still maintaining what we're being told for medical professionals is, is, the, is the right distance. Um, the second part or part two of the first question is um, the, the, the technologies are capable of, of, of discriminating against your body temperature and ambient temperature. So mm-hmm. if, if you come in, let's say you're in Texas, like you are, and it's 100, over 100 degrees, obviously, you're going to be warm. But as your body tends to cool as you come inside, um, the, the, uh, technologies will be able to determine, you know, what your true body temperature is. So, and a lot of these technologies mm-hmm. are, technologies are even more precise. They'll, they'll take your temperature from the inside of your eye as an example, which gives you a really accurate body temperature. You know, these, these technologies are available. Um, they, they provide for the appropriate social distancing and they are pretty accurate. And now what I'm being told, and, you know, of course I'm not a medical expert, but, you know, that temperatures somewhere between 100.7 and below are going to be considered um, safe to enter. And, and then anything above that would be uh, reason for a secondary um, fever um, detection. Um, for part two of your question, uh, legally, I, I'm in no position to talk about, you know, the legal ramifications of using this. But, you know, you would think that um, businesses might be concerned that if they clear Someone into a facility, uh, but that person may be asymptomatic right of of having in this case covid nineteen and someone else gets ill, there could be some issues, but again, it's just a matter of what are businesses and what are you know what is the public trying to do to get back to work safely so
0: that's really interesting to me because you know we've read and heard about how. Meetings and travel for business may be forever changed. You know, people, businesses might find that it's more affordable to do meetings remotely. It's it's safer to avoid travel. Um, but it sounds like uh, what you're describing could very well be sort of um, permanent changes to to the workplace and the workforce.
1: Well, I definitely, I mean, I definitely think that we're going to see we're going to see um, some major changes, obviously, from the time before this pandemic and and now and the time after. Um, travel, um, in person meetings, a lot of different um, things we were used to are are going to be shaped differently. But I still don't think we'll ever get away from, you know. Uh, wanting, you know, to have that personal contact, specifically in businesses that that uh, rely on on the personal contact to to develop the business. So from a like a business development perspective. Um, yeah, I mean uh,
0: we're social animals, right? And and yeah. part of the way that the at least the U.S. workforce is built. I mean the the business um, segment is built on human contact and uh relationships so
1: right and i think what we're going to see is just different you know like i said earlier in the beginning is you know imagination and creativity on how to do this i mean we're seeing it already in some of the some of the news reporting we're getting where businesses are opening and they're establishing certain procedures to get get folks to come back to uh to those businesses but um You know, when you talk about air travel and train travel and some of the mass transportation, I think we're gonna have to see some really, some really different ways of of configuring seats, maybe in airplanes or, or um, I've seen uh, screens being put up between each seat, you know, um, to protect people from an airborne um, contagion. So we're going to see just different ways. You know, I I saw one airlines uh, actually, touting that they won't book the middle seat anymore on, on plane flights, you know, to keep people you know, more of a distance. But still, I, that's not six feet, right? So there's um, there's some issues, I think, there as well.
0: Many of us probably would not have considered that post 9-11, we would be spending an hour, two hours in line going through security clearance, you know, having our shoes tested. and And yet, as these situations develop, our routines do actually become routine right i think a lot of the workforce might feel uncomfortable undergoing this kind of scrutiny and there is the suggestion or the the guidance that must be coming from companies right that this is the new norm right in order to protect you and protect our clients we have to undergo these these safety arrangements Yet at the same time, it kind of feels like that postmodern reality.
1: Yeah. Again, you know, it's, it's um, there, there changes, changes are coming, um, but we're very capable and adaptable as people, you know, to, to change along with that and to adapt. And, and like you mentioned uh, being social creatures as we are, you know, we're going to do, I think what, what makes us comfortable and makes us feel safe. Um, you know, to get back into society and and um, and collaborate like we do, and to be around each other and to socially gather. Um, so, you know, again, these concepts of you know, let's think in terms of uh, you know, sporting events or concerts or you know, mass public gatherings where you're really really close to a lot of people. Um, you know, there's going to have to be some changes in, in those environments as well. I saw. A report recently where Major League Baseball is talking about, you know, starting games after the Fourth of July uh, this summer, but with no fans. A change in, in in their business model, right? But also, it still allows people to enjoy the game from a TV coverage. Uh, but even in even getting people back to to these these public events, you know, there's all kinds of creative things that are being discussed. And you talked about security, right? Like let's say in an airport. Well, of course. You know, look at where we started after 9/11, where we are now, where we have different mechanisms to to increase throughput through airport security. So if you have pre-check, or if you have global entry, or if you have you know different uh, certifications and criteria, your process is a lot quicker. Um, you know, and we're seeing we're going to see that as well. You know, in some of the the ideas that are floating around for uh, mass events, you know, you, you're going to have to add a layer of probably temperature detection going into, you know, a stadium. Or if people aren't really ready to do that, then they're going to want to be um, assured that the staff and the, the people working the event have actually been screened. I've also seen some studies okay. and some research on that. But when you talk about um, throughput, right, getting people into events, you know the idea of virtual queuing is, is is starting to take place, and there's not really that I can that I can tell that there's not really a technology out there that does this you know really proficient yet. So, and we can get into a little about virtual queuing, but the other one is contact tracing, which again, you know, app driven, uh, smartphone, it's personal. You know, it'll tell you if you know distance you are from people, people that you've been in contact with, and keep all that data, but. Um, those are those are some things that are that are actually starting to bubble to the top in in these major facilities.
0: But you know what's really interesting there is that from state to state, from city to city, from country to country, all of these things will be different. And in many ways, it's up to the individual and the business that supports them, if they work for a business, that they have the adequate measures in place to be able to operate the way they did pre-pandemic, right? So for instance, if I was traveling before the pandemic, I wouldn't need a mask. But now there's a certain amount of financial uh, requirements to get the absolutely right kind of mask to travel on a certain place, or as you're saying, into the future, that might might happen. And, and so uh feels a little bit like we're m- marching a lot towards 1984. For no reason other than that, we're trying to protect each other.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, this isn't sci-fi anymore. This is it's reality at this point. So you know, how we adapt and how we change is, is, again, goes back to one of my initial points with we have to figure out in a creative and imaginative way how to get back to work. And, and I think we're seeing that. And I think we're seeing a lot or a large portions of the population that would like to get back to work um, and they want to do it responsibly i think people are are pretty keen on doing that and then of course um you know i don't i don't know if masks are actually mandated or a legal requirement you know but we do have governors across the country you know recommending that masks be worn in in public facilities so you'll see people that don't wear masks if you're out in the public if you go to the grocery store i mean i think it's pretty common you can take a a quick poll for yourself, even today, that you know, it's probably somewhere between 50-50 on people wearing masks and not wearing masks, unless the business dictates that you can't enter without it. And so, um, you know, again, that's businesses stepping in to control or to support maybe um, a more healthy environment from uh, from their perspective. But then you get into the debate of what is the value of a mask right there's a lot going on here I just think that we're gonna see shake out over the next several months but I agree with you wholeheartedly I think as we as we move towards third quarter once we go through the summer months um, you know we'll see third quarter I think open up a little bit from a business perspective and then we have to watch at least what I'm being told watch as we transition into fourth quarter which is normally our cooler months um, to see how the the virus is acting. If we're doing things right, you know, using technology, using advice from medical professionals, instituting these solutions of, you know, uh, virtual queuing and contact tracing and, you know, possibly fever detection and cleaning our air and, and, and doing these things that um, uh, might make sense for us, I think we'll see more confidence from, from the public as we as we go back.
0: Bill, that was really a fascinating conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for giving us some guidance here.
1: You know, like I said, I just you know none of this is 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 my proprietary or intellectual property. This is this is being collaborative with the community I'm working in, listening to experts, listening to to people with ideas. Um, you know, one and before we close, I, you know, one that I thought was interesting was, you know, psychologically, if you walk into a building that smells clean you'll feel more comfortable just in general cleaning procedures, having that smell of, of, um, disinfectant or, you know, seeing people physically active and keeping things, you know, proper and clean. So again, you know, um, this is a psychological and physical uh, approach to a really, really uh, interesting situation that we've, we've come across in the last several months. And so I appreciate the time uh, to talk about it. I think, uh, we're going to see more creative ideas um, surface to the top as we get further in the second quarter and and we start opening up more of our public venues into summer.
0: That's really, I think, the crux that, that we should finish this conversation on is that it takes collaboration, it takes networking, it takes uh, exchange of ideas to uh, make sure that the worker, the business, the public – are comfortable in a world that didn't exist six months ago.
1: Yeah, and I think I think it would be smart for um, businesses to do surveys, too. I think they should survey the workforce. I think they should survey their clients and and find out what what people are thinking and try not to do this in a vacuum. So it should be...
0: Bill Edwards, Associate Principal of Protective Design and Security Services at Thornton Tomasetti, part of the RAIM network of companies. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you. Uh, pleasure talking with you today.
0: RAIN is guiding clients and subscribers alike through these unprecedented times. Individuals and organizations turn to RAIN for risk intelligence that cuts through the hype to focus on what to know, what to expect, and what to do. You can stay informed with actionable information, critical analysis and commentary from experts across the globe, including medical and infectious disease specialists from the RAIN network. And you get real time monitoring to track key developments around transmission, economic impact and operational response. You can learn how RAIN is helping clients at RAINNETWORK.com. That's RAIN, R-A-N-E, network.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening.